The Z-Ball Podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome into another episode of the Z-Ball Podcast, recording this on a Monday evening in Southern California. The 2021-2022 NBA season has officially concluded. We're now in the play-in phase and looking towards the playoffs. Joining me to discuss all the playing games and the series coming up next weekend, we got Jay from San Diego. What up, Jay? What's up, man? How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Looking forward uh, to these play-in matchups. Let's we'll go ahead and start in the Eastern Conference. We got the seven-eight matchup for the play-in. This, this is going to determine the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. We got Brooklyn as the home team hosting Cleveland. What do you think about this playing game? Uh, you know, I know I know Cavs had a pretty solid season. All things considered. Uh, they they covered they recovered pretty well since I think LeBron and Kyrie left. Uh, they definitely made great strides this season, but I, I gotta go with the Nets for this one, taking winning yeah. and taking that number seven seed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Nets with Kyrie and uh, KD, you know, two It's it'll be hard to beat them two just on one night, given. Yeah, I mean, they have just a lot of offensive firepower, the Nets, and then now with uh, the whole uh, vaccine situation, Kyrie's allowed to play in home games now, so that's no longer an issue for them. Uh, so they got their full-strength team back. Uh, aside from Simmons, we'll see. He's definitely not going to play for the play-in, uh, Steve Nash said. And then for Cleveland, uh, good season, but then untimely injury to their center, Jared Allen, uh, early March. He's li- missed the last... Mont, he's going to miss this game as well with that uh, finger finger injury. So he's just really vital, important to them. He They form a formidable front court with him and Evan Mobley, the rookie. And then Darius Garland, uh, he's kind of up and coming third year. He's, he's had a, a breakout season. But just uh, on the other side, I'm going to have to agree with you with Brooklyn. Just too much firepower with them at home. They're eight-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. And I just think, regardless of how I disagree with Kyrie, he can ball. Uh, I don't know his vaccine stuff, but it's just a lot of stuff going on with Brooklyn. But ultimately, too much talent. And in the variability of one game, I think I'm going to have to go with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And we'll see them taking on, in my opinion, the Boston Celtics in the first round. So I'm going to agree with you, go here and go with Brooklyn. So we agree on that. We'll move into the eighth or the ninth and tenth place game, excuse me, in the Eastern Conference. That's between the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets. The Hawks are the ninth seed. The Hornets are the tenth seed. 
What do you think about this one? Who faces off uh, for the eighth place versus, uh, in our opinions, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers? What do you think? You know, I, I would love to see Charlotte uh, win so they can move on. I think that middle is really exciting to watch. Kind of want to see. I don't think he made it last year, did he? Did he I don't think so, right? No, uh, the Charlotte. I mean, Lamelo Ball got injured last year, and that really derailed their season. They missed the play-in, but Trey Young and the and the Hawks. They obviously had a good season. Really overachieved, went to the conference finals, and then they took a big dip this season. Kind of inconsistent. So. Yeah, you know that's what I was thinking. Yeah, they went to the conference finals, and yeah, he could definitely step backwards. I think Trey Young had a pretty solid season, though. Yeah, he's been he was he was very good. I mean, but yeah, some of the other guys that and they didn't have the consistency that they did last year was with the, some of the other young guys like Collins and Capella and DeAndre Hunter and so so forth. Yeah, I, I want to see the Hornets win, but Atlanta being at home, um, having the experience, like you said, just they made a pretty deep playoff run last season. I gotta go with the Hawks in this one. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree again. Uh, I think the Hawks are just kind of the better team all around, although I do like uh, the young guys on Charlotte, LaMelo Ball, obviously Miles Bridges, uh, Gordon Hayward. I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to play in this game, so I think uh, I think it's going to be tough for Charlotte as a young team kind of to go into, I mean, Atlanta's a young team, but definitely more experienced from the, the playoff run last season, like we mentioned. So I think Atlanta at home... Uh, is going to take this one, and they're going to face Cleveland, in my opinion. So who do you think gets that eighth seed in the East? You know, I didn't even know Jerry Allen was hurt. Is he even going to play at all? He, he Gordon Hayward? No, you said Jerry Allen for the Cavs? Oh, yeah, he's he's not going to play. I mean, he's he got hurt at early March, and he's been he's been out for the last month, and he's not going to play in the playing game against Brooklyn. So and I, yeah. I doubt he's going to play against uh, if they lose to against Atlanta or Charlotte. So, so it was down to Cleveland and uh, Atlanta, which we that's what we chose. I still, I go with Atlanta. They got the experience. Yeah, I um, just think yeah. I mean, Cleveland's really they can, they can pull it off. Cleveland's really been faltering. Although I do really love Evan Mobley and Garland. I just think. Uh, Jared Allen is very important for them defensively. I mean, it, and it really shows with the skid that they've had the last month since he's been out. And uh, Trey Young and Atlanta has been playing better, so I think they'll get the eight seed. They'll end up facing off against uh, the number one seed Miami Heat. So we'll agree on that. So we'll go into those series. Uh, the one eight, whatever it is, we think it's going to be Miami versus Atlanta. What what do you think about that series, and what do you think kind of about Miami coming into the playoffs? Kind of uh, some of the inner uh, scuffles they've had on the bench and stuff like that, and they've had a, a, kind of an injury riddled season as well. But uh, they ended up with the number one seed in the East. So what do you think for them in, the, in that series facing off against the Hawks? The Hawks. I don't know. You know, Miami has a pretty good defense. Yeah, even through all those. Uh, I think the videos of Utah's has them and Jimmy Butler and all those, but I think that's what they kind of needed. You know, just like a kind of picking the ass to kind of lit the fire under the team. But uh, I think this just proves to show that, that two years ago, that uh, Deep Brent wasn't a fluke after securing number one seed. Yeah. But I, I like Miami and I said Miami in five. 
Yeah, Miami for sure. Yes. I, I would I would say four or five. I'll go with five. Uh, gentlemen sweep. Uh, I just think they have one of the premier formidable starting lineups when everyone is healthy with Kyle Lowry, Tyler, uh, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, uh, what's uh, PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo, and then the coaching uh, one of the be better coaches in the league, and Eric Spolstra. And then I think just kind of going back to that scuffle, that's kind of uh, kind of their culture. I mean, with kind of the imprint of Pat Riley, so uh, they kind of go through conflict. But I've never really seen Eric Spolstra get that animated and that that heated on the sideline ever. But obviously, we're accustomed to seeing that from Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam. So, but oh yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> why you have them is Derek Miller and uh, yeah, Haslam essentially has been a, a player coach the last couple seasons. Uh, he hasn't really played, and more so coach. But, but, but yeah, I mean, Heat culture, I think the too much for Atlanta, and just too, too talented, too good defensively, too disciplined, too well coached, and too much firepower. So we'll agree again, Miami in five. So we'll go on next to... The 2-7, we think it's going to be Boston versus Brooklyn. It'll be a rematch of last year's first-round matchup, but this time the seeds will be flipped. This time Boston in the number two seed and Brooklyn number seven. Uh, Boston coming in red hot since January. I think they had like a like a 25 and like six record or something since J January 4th or something. And really rolling, Tatum playing uh, MVP-level ball. And very good defensively. They got a Defensive Player of the Year candidate in Marcus Smart. A time Lord in his fourth season, Robert Williams, has started playing more meaningful minutes, uh, getting over 30 minutes uh, considerably. But he went down with a torn meniscus uh, in March, and it looks like he, he's going to be out this series. I mean, who knows if he comes back. It's still kind of up in the air. And then for Brooklyn, like we mentioned, uh, they got pretty much everyone back aside from Ben Simmons. He might play in this series. So what are your initial thoughts on this series, and who do you see taking it? You know, it's an interesting matchup, I think, because, you know, like KD and Kyrie, that offensive punch, it's going to be tough. But, again, they, they don't really play defense. They don't play KD defense at all. Nets don't really play defense, um, I feel. Um and Kenny has been logging heavy minutes since pretty much every time he's played. I think since he came back from his injury. Pretty much the whole season he's, like he's been logging minutes. minutes just because yeah. the whole Ky Harden situation and then the whole situation with Kyrie. So he's had to carry a bulk of that. And then even as we saw last season when in the playoffs, he was carrying such a big load just with all the injuries to Harden and Kyrie in, the, in those series as well. So it's just... Yeah, it's it's remarkable. See, if him coming back from Achilles injury, I did not see this coming. It's just like he picked up really right where he left off at Golden State. With, uh, it's pretty awesome to see, honestly. But I don't think it's just it's interesting because you know Boston's a hot team. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're going to make a really deep playoff run. But uh, if I had to choose, I always give Brooklyn that puncher's chance with both of those uh, offensive uh, dynamic duo, but. I would, if I had to put money on, I'd say Boston in seven. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is a really tough one for Brooklyn. This is like the dream matchup they could have wanted. I mean, they, I mean, if you would ask anyone and put give them truth serum, they'd probably say we want to avoid Milwaukee and Miami. And 
they have a really good chance of doing that here, and they should do that. Like, I mean, winning that that playing game versus Cleveland, and then they get Boston, who's rolling on all cylinders, playing really good defense, but their defensive anchor and Time Lord Robert Williams is most likely going to be out in this series, and he's played a, vital, a very vital part for them defensively. But and then for Brooklyn, I mean. Like we, you kind of mentioned, they don't play defense at all. The variability of them from one game to another is very, there's a very big variance, a very big deviation that you can see from one game to another. Kind of considering, we saw Kyrie kind of go off in some of those one-off games, but when we, he kind of came back as a regular contributor and, and kind of that regular and playing every other day, playing every game, we saw his numbers kind of dip a little bit, his kind of the efficiency kind of dip a little bit. And then another thing to take into account with Kyrie, uh, Kyrie is Muslim and it's currently the month of Ramadan. So he's going to be fasting in some of these games. He's going to be breaking his fast probably during uh, the first, second quarter, something like that. So let's see how kind of his, wow. his kind of body reacts to that and how he kind of plays. But he, he's been fasting for the last 10 days. So it's, it hasn't seemed to be kind of like a conditioning problem yet with like cramping or anything like that. So I, I think he should be fine, but I just don't think from like kind of the consistency standpoint, I think, I don't think they can kind of take it. And then I think Boston will have their way offensively. And I think because of that, I'm going to agree with you. I think I'm going to say Boston in six in this series. I think. I didn't I, I, realize uh, Kyrie, he did Ramadan. Yeah, Kyrie is a, a converted Muslim from a few years ago, so it's currently the month of Ramadan, and he he is fasting. Yeah, so there was a viral clip of him. I, I think yeah, him eating right on the bench. Yeah, eating eating fruit, a fruit cup on the bench, and then he, he got called in by Steve Nash. Yeah, so so I, that's wow. I mean I, the last player to kind of do it successfully was Hakeem Olajuwon a long, a long time ago. I think in the mid '90s or early '90s. Uh, he was fasting during the playoffs, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes for Kyrie, but I I just think this is interesting matchup, but as a best matchup for Brooklyn, but I, I just think Boston, even without Time Lord, is gonna kind of come out on top here just because of how inconsistent Brooklyn is defensively and kind of offensively with Kyrie. Kind of you don't really know what you're gonna get with him game to game. But uh, kind of, he's gonna have a few good performances for sure. But I just don't know if he's gonna be oh, yeah, as consistent sure. as a Kevin Durant would be in this series. So yeah, it's, it's a lot different when you play on the regular NBA schedule. We can't <laughs> not every now and then you play and drop like forty plus. Yeah, so, for sure. Getting that reality check. All right, so yeah, we haven't seen Kyrie really in a playoffs in a while, but interested. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true as well. I mean, we haven't really seen him in a legitimate like play, like full playoffs since 2019, right? When he was with Boston, and he played two yeah. full series there. They lost in the semifinals that time, and that was a, a bad exit for him, I guess, kind of PR wise from Boston. And now he faces oh, Boston, sure. so <laughs> his old yeah, team. You so. know they're gonna get. They're gonna hear. He's gonna oh hear yeah, for sure. sure. Like I don't he, think he, he's had a. He already acknowledged it, right? Like he's probably going to get booed the rest of his career in Boston. So. Yeah, rightfully so. He just didn't go about it the right way, but uh, you know he hasn't had a really that last his last great playoff performance was probably like in twenty seventeen. Yeah, 18. for sure that was probably uh, the, the last one. Yeah, 2017, 2018 He was injured his first year in Boston, 
And then yeah, twenty seventeen, yeah, he was very good. That was a very good Cavs team, but they just ran up ran into a much better uh, Golden State team. So. Yes, sir. Alrighty, let's move into the three six matchup. We got the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, the three seed, fifty one and thirty one. They're gonna be taking on their central division rival Chicago Bulls or the six seed, forty six and thirty six. Uh what do you think about this series? Uh gentlemen sweeper of the Bucks. You know, <laughs> uh Bulls had a great season. DeRozan has been a great pickup. Uh with no lawns of ball kinda carrying the uh it's a point guard are going to be a little difficult, but, you know, I think Bowles record against plus 500 teams is, is horrible. They, they beat the, the sub-500 teams a lot. But yeah, they have, they, they had a very easy schedule front-loaded, and then uh, it seems like, I don't think I've they've gotten a win against the top three teams in either conference. So they're like, oh, and whatever, whatever it is, like 18 against those teams. So <laughs> they haven't proven to be. Great year, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, a good bounce back year for them for sure. Obviously, Lonzo being out, his kind of defense, the intangibles he brings, uh, really kind of hurt them. And then Caruso is a good player for them, but he can't really fill that role kind of full time that Lonzo has for them. And then DeRozan, obviously a good playmaker. Uh, he's gotten better from his San Antonio days, going from Toronto, and he he was kind of in the MVP running there for a little bit, but then. Chicago kind of faltered and they kind of slipped off and really kind of uh, coming into the playoffs uh, like like on a really bad skid. And then for Milwaukee, I mean, this is some are saying this is they kind of just wanted to, like tanked into this matchup. And this is, I think, the perfect matchup for them, in my opinion. I, I think it's going to be a sweep. I think they're going to win in four. And I think. We've seen from the their regular season matchups, the Chicago can't really can't really hang with them defensively or offensively. And I think Milwaukee has everyone back with Portis, Lopez, obviously their big three and Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis. And I think they just got that monkey off their back last season, winning the championship, and they're as confident as ever. And they're going to come in in the series, in my opinion, and take care of business, dominate, and. Sweep the Bulls for nothing. I can definitely see it happen. For yeah, sure. for sure. No answer for any, anybody. <laughs> I was just, just gonna could run wild against them. Yeah, I don't. No, nobody really has the answer for Giannis these days. It's pretty much his oh, league. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, we'll agree on that one as well, and we'll move on to the four-five, the last series in the Eastern Conference. You got the 51 and 31 Philadelphia 76ers, the four seed, facing off against the five seed Toronto Raptors, 48 and 34. What do you think about this series? You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Philly six. You know, I, I really don't like them to make a deep run. I think they kind of, like, I think we both agree, James Harden is kind of like a fraudulent superstar. You know, <laughs> very foul dependent. Uh, like you said, he just can't be. He can't be effective. He's not getting those free throws. Have you seen superstars be effective without free throws? And now, I'm not sure if you saw. Like he, he passed open a wide open three, and then at that point, it's just mental. Like his confidence took like a huge hit. Um, it started out well when he got traded, but he's kind of took a big dip again. So 
Um, I'll say Philly in six, but I don't see them making a deep playoff run. Yeah, yeah. I heard rumblings from Doc Rivers might go sell Lakers. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, I don't know about that one too, but I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all, all the already those uh, coaching rumors swirling for the Lakers uh, already listed candidates, but we'll see what happens there. But yeah, this matchup is a, a good matchup. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, we would all say the coaching advantage is probably a huge advantage to Nick Nurse uh, and the Raptors with, with that, and then. Raptors just really scrappy team. I mean, I did not expect them to be in this position in the five seed. I, I thought they were gonna have a down year, but they really bounced back from that last year playing in Tampa, uh, permanently as their home base. Now they're back in Toronto, and then for this series, uh, Matisse Thybulle on the Sixers, since he's not vaccinated, will not be able to play games three, four, and six in Toronto. So oh, wow. that's that. that's a, a very big uh, thing for Philly, uh, just because he's he's their best uh, on-ball defender. He's a very very good lengthy defender for them. Very disciplined. And then we mentioned kind of with Harden. I mean, he's just lazy. Uh, he has kind of that party lifestyle. And then, like like we've said before, he's dependent on free throws to be effective and efficient i mean other superstars they go to the free throw line a lot but they don't need that the free throw line to be effective and efficient if it seems like from what we've seen from harden he needs the free throw line he needs to get to the line to be effective in these playoff games and we've seen the the whistle gets a little tighter in the playoff games uh physicality ramps up uh some of the uh the calls are kind of uh more uh, more strict and stuff they're not as easy as they are in the regular season and then that's kind of when Harden struggles and then uh um, oh, yeah he's he's not well known to do great playoff performances anyway so <laughs> for sure yeah i mean he yeah, I know. he's had a, a I long list is, 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 what's up he's had a long list of bad performances <laughs> so oh yeah for sure choke you know game yeah for sure no doubt about that but uh it's a question is, does Philly give him that contract extension? I don't know. I think he's a, is he a free agent this year? This is last year? Or is he going to have to opt out or something? I think there's some sort of player option or something. I mean, there's something involved, I mean, for sure. But I, I, I don't know what what we'll see kind of. Or he has at least another year, maybe. We'll see. But, I mean, I think their plan was with getting Harden, he was kind of be like the, the ball handler. And it was kind of kind of be like the best like shooter perimeter guy that Embiid had been along with the whole time obviously it started off good the first five games and then they were they thought they would kind of develop Maxi, but it seems like they're kind of even without Simmons it seems like they're kind of uh kind of in the same ballpark a little bit I mean just Harden doesn't seem to have his explosion his explosiveness anymore and obviously he can still shoot us and they're gonna need him to shoot but uh, we'll see how Maxi does, and it seems like their offense is still going to kind of run through Embiid, which it should, and it's going to be kind of stagnant down down the, down the stretch in these uh, tough, tight games. And we've seen, I mean, them blow, like, a lot of 20-point leads even in the last, like, month, month and a half of the season. And Doc Rivers is kind of the, the coach that blows, like, 3-1 leads in series, uh, blows 20-point leads, uh, so... Let let's see how it kind of uh, bodes for them, but I think they'll survive this series. Uh, 
I think they're more talented than Toronto, so just because of that, I think they should win in seven games. I'll take them in seven, but I think they're going to get uh, dominated in the second round by Miami. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. Uh, Doc such an overrated coach. <laughs> hey, apparently Lakers want him, so... Lakers want him. I mean, he, he has the respect of a lot of people in the league. Uh, the NBA recently put out their, a couple months ago, put out their top 15 coach list all time. He was on that list, so... And that's I, a little bit shocking, but... Yeah, yeah I, I, I think I, so. I think a few nights ago, he also became, like, the ninth, number nine all-time in wins or something like that, so... <laughs> we'll see. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, I think, like, I think he passed someone, I forgot who it was, and, and like, with, like, 1,045 wins or something like that, so... But <laughs> we'll see what happens there. We'll, we'll agree on that one as well. You got Philly in six. I got them in seven. And we'll move on now to the Western Conference. We'll start with the play-in games. We've got the 7-8 play-in game. Uh, it's going to be tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. we got the seventh seed Minnesota Timberwolves at 46 and 36 at home. Facing off against the eight seed Los Angeles Clippers at forty two and forty. What do you think about this game? I think Minnesota takes it. Minnesota's been having a really big bounce back year. I know he's he went through a lot. But then I think his mother passed away like during COVID and stuff like that, but he's really was able to refocus and just really put himself up there as like one of the best big men in the league. But um with home court I think Minnesota can take it. You got more talent, I think, more depth. Yeah, Minnesota has been a uh, very good bounce back year. Uh, obviously, like you said, Carl Towns went through a lot. His mother passed away of COVID. Uh, he had a lot of different coaches. Uh, had the whole kind of like turnover with uh, the whole situation with Jimmy Butler. And then now they got, uh, they still got um, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. Uh, Patrick Beverly has really uh, infused some toughness in the, into the team. Uh, other side, you got the Clippers. Just uh, roller coaster season. Uh, a lot of injuries. Uh, a lot of like COVID uh, missed games from COVID. Uh, obviously, Kawhi has been out the whole season. Paul George has been out since December. He just came back maybe about a week and a half ago for the last five games of the season. Norman Powell, after they traded for him, uh, went down after I think two games or something. He just came back recently. So both teams are relatively healthy aside from uh Kawhi being the big piece out for the Clippers and Ty Lue has done a good job I mean with all kind of the changes and the different starting lineups and injuries to have another winning season with the the Clippers uh, their 11th consecutive that's pretty crazy to hear for an organization like the Clippers so uh, and then Minnesota I mean I think has the advantage here of being at home so, I'll, as a Clipper fan, I'll, I'm tough to say this, but I'll agree with you here again. And I'll take Minnesota to win a close game here, probably by like two, three points. And be the seventh seed in the Western Conference to take on the Memphis Grizzlies, who are the two seed. So, we'll agree on that one again. And then we'll move to the ninth, tenth place game in the Western Conference. It's... The New Orleans Pelicans as the ninth seed, taking on the San Antonio Spurs, who are the tenth seed. 
what, what do you think about this game? Who, 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 who do you think wins here to take on the Clippers to try to get the eighth seed? You know, the Pelicans at home, big fan of Brandon Ingram. Uh, you got C.J. McCollin as well. Zion played, hands down, they, they would win. But yeah, I would still pick the Pelicans over the Spurs, honestly, for this one. Yeah, I think the Pelicans just, even without Zion, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with him. Just more talented. And then San Antonio, obviously, DeJounte Murray has had a really good season, averaging almost a triple-double. Really good young athletic player, defender. Uh, they traded their second-best player kind of in the middle of the season, Derek White. And then the rest of their players, just a lot of kind of like veteran guys and a lot of, a lot of other like wing role, uh, young wing guys. So the Pelicans, a little more experienced here with McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and I think more talented as well. Obviously, the coaching advantage goes to Popovich and everything, but I think the talent will win out and the home court advantage. So we'll have the Pelicans taking on the Clippers to determine the eighth seed. What do you think about that matchup? Who would be at home? Who would be Clippers? Uh, the Clippers would be at home, yeah. They're home. Uh, you know, I just, is PG playing or is he restricted minutes? Paul George is back full strength. I mean, uh, every everyone is back for the Clippers aside from Kawhi, so. Uh, uh, and with, I think with Clippers being at home and I guess with the exception of Kawhi, I'll go with the Clippers. Yeah, I would have to agree as well. I think the Clippers kind of uh, running on full strength. I mean, Paul George has uh, come back and looked pretty good and then Norm Powell as well. Uh, they've been shooting the ball really well the last week uh, from the three, and I think they'll take. Uh, they I think they just beat New Orleans as well, like uh, by like twenty points at home a few weeks ago or a week ago. So I, I'll I'll take them at home to to win by pretty comfortably by like eight nine points and be in that eight seed versus Phoenix. So in that matchup versus uh, it would be Phoenix, uh, the one seed. 65 and 17 or 64 and 18 excuse me taking on the clippers at 42 and 40 it would be a rematch of last year's western conference finals again without Kawhi. so what, what would you think about this matchup you know he's been uh, the best team in the league you know they got a lot of talent uh home court advantage i think clippers gonna put up a good fight i don't think it's gonna be a steamroll um i think it's gonna be pretty close close games i think Really well coached by the Clippers, Tyler Lou. But uh, I would say probably I'll go Phoenix in six. Okay. Yeah, I think Phoenix, I mean, they've showed last year was not a fluke for sure. Uh, they've All their role players have really uh, gotten comfortable, really gotten defined in the roles. Guys like Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and then obviously you got the stars and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and then you got the big guy, Nathan, and then Monty Williams. Uh, Continuing the good coaching, uh, both 32-9, and nine, home and away, uh, end up, I mean, most wins in franchise history, and when you, once you get around like 64, 65 wins, usually, most of the time, you're making a finals appearance at least, in rare cases, you're not, probably like one or two teams ever, I think, that once, it's like 64 or more, did not make the finals, so, uh, Phoenix, uh, for sure, I, I is going to have a, a deep run again, I think, in the playoffs. And in this series, I think it'll be close games. Like you said, I think these teams are very familiar with each other. And even without Kawhi last year in the, in the conference finals, the Clippers put up a pretty decent fight. Uh, 
and took it to six games, but but I think Phoenix is better defensively now. I think it will, although I think it will be close games again. I think Phoenix kind of it has the edge down the stretch and like the, those close games, and I think they're smarter, more disciplined. I think they run their offense better. So I'll say Phoenix in five uh, versus the Clippers, the one eight matchup. So we'll agree again on the on the the team who wins. Let's see if we if we get any disagreement here on the team who wins. But we'll move on to the next series. Number two, Memphis Grizzlies, fifty six and twenty six. We we got them taking on the number seven seed Minnesota Timberwolves at forty six and thirty six. Uh, what do you think about this series? Yeah, I think it'd be a pretty good matchup. Uh, you know, you got Ja, one of my favorite. Uh, players, up and coming players, you know, just super electrifying to watch. I'm not sure if he's gonna be. I know he came back a few games ago, but I'm not. I'm assuming he won't be on the minutes restriction come playoff time. Uh, even without him, they had like a great record. I think they were like they didn't lose five games without him. Yeah, they're like twenty and four or something like that without him. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it just speaks volumes to how deep their ball club really is, even without him. So with them, Adam, there with them, they should be, you know, kind of pushing over the top. But, again, it just shows how deep they are. You know, I like Minnesota. They have a good young core. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, Cat, Anthony Edwards. But them being so young, well, nothing as well. But I think they just have a deeper uh, ball club. You know, they're, they're number two seed for a reason, right? They're number two, right? Yep, number two. Yeah, they're number two for a reason. Um I would probably say Memphis for sure. Um, Memphis at six. I'll pick a Memphis. Okay, for sure. Yeah, I mean uh, Memphis still a pretty young team. I mean between the, both teams, I think the player with uh, the most experience in the playoffs is probably uh, what's it called? Uh, Stephen Adams and Patrick Beverly. Those two players. So. <laughs> all, all the heavy hitters on both teams are relatively young guys. Uh, and then Memphis, uh, a lot of depth, like you mentioned. Uh, obviously, begins everything begins and runs with John Morant, and then you got the other young guys in Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Zaire Williams, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. So just a lot of depth there, and then uh, a lot of good defense as well. Uh, Taylor Jenkins has done a phenomenal job, being one of the Coach of the Year uh, candidates this season, and. John Morant, the only thing you worry about with his kind of athletic ability is kind of the injury concern just because he plays so reckless and his game is very dependent on athleticism. So, uh, so it, it kind of reminds me a little of Derrick Rose in, in a sense. But Oh, yeah. A great comparison. The, yeah, the difference being that John Morant seems to be a better jump shooter. So let's see uh kind of what happens i mean I, but i think he should be fine for this series and i think memphis should roll pretty comfortably i'll say in five games versus minnesota i mean carl anthony towns only ex playoff experience i think was uh 2018 versus um i think houston in that first round when they i think lost in four or five games so yeah, i think that's when they had jimmy butler right yeah they had that jimmy butler for that season yeah so uh, but yeah, like you said, John got to be careful. He's just trying to jump out the building and uh, you got to <laughs> protect yourself out there. I yeah, like I mean, twenty-three. He goes to the basket with no fear, and he goes he goes very uh, very strong, and uh, so, uh, that could result in a, in a major injury. I mean, let let's see. Let's hope not. But 
I just think yeah, Memphis. Because, yeah. yeah, Memphis too much depth here, and uh, we'll agree again. Uh, Memphis is gonna is gonna roll here and move on to the semifinals. So let's let's move on then to the next series. We got the three seed Golden State Warriors, fifty three and twenty nine, coming in to the playoffs on a skid with without Stephen Curry the last like four weeks or so, taking on the six seed Denver Nuggets, who are without two key players in Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, and then they have the presume presumptive back to back MVP in Nikola Jokic. So what do you think about this series? Uh, you know, yeah, this is gonna be a tough one too. Like, has, has Steph come back? I know he got hurt. I don't think that he's Marcus played Smart, yet, I but I, I think he's, I think he's gonna be fine for uh, whenever they start, whether it's next Saturday or Sunday. I think he should be ready to go for the for game one. So, it, it, you know, they, they they had such a great bounce back year uh, from miss from I think they got bounced out by the Lakers actually last year in the play-in. Yeah, they got they lost to the Lakers, yeah. then they lost to Memphis in the play-in, so they missed the playoffs entirely. So. Yeah, they missed the entire little great bounce back year. But, you know, the continuity. Um, I think I read a stat. The three, Clay, Steph, and Draymond, I think they only play like 11 minutes together total this year or something like that. Yeah, They don't play crazy. much together at all. So, But obviously, they yeah, had championship experience. They played for two years. But, again, you know, a big reason I think Phoenix made a deep run because of injuries. So, if Golden State can stay healthy, they can make a deep run. Uh, Clay's still working himself back into shape, I think, you know, uh, missing, you know, like, two years. Yeah, he, he pretty much missed two and a half years since the the, fi- the 2019 finals when he first played, and then we've seen a couple good games, breakout games from him, but we've seen a lot of struggles as well, and we've seen a lot yeah, of in- inconsistency sure. from this team. I mean, Steph kind of, you kind of looked at, like, January, he was probably one of the top-leading MVP candidates, and then he really kind of, like, Fell off from there, and then Draymond had his injuries. He kind of came back. Uh, he still had the the triple single stat lines and stuff like that. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but you can get three of them, even just Draymond and Steph on the floor. But yeah, no Clay had such two devastating injuries. Um, I think on the same leg too, right? He tore his knee and Achilles the same leg. Yeah, it might have been the same leg or it might have been different legs, but I mean, they're just Achilles and ACL, right? Those are just two gruesome injuries, even alone, but he kind of had them in back-to-back seasons, right? So it's just really tough. Yeah, that's a common thing when you tore your Achilles, it kind of just works his way up. Or you tore your knee and it works his way down. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, Nikola Jokic, you know, a potential MVP candidate. He's been doing it himself with our true uh, second superstar, all-star next to him. Yeah. Um, put up better stats this year than last week in his MVP run. But I think if Golden State can stay healthy, they can take him um, with home court as well and the experience. And I think Nikola Jokic just by himself, he just can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Um to make a deep playoff run anyway. You might get by Golden State, but I would say Golden State 6. All right, yeah, Golden State definitely. Uh, I think Denver won the season series 3-1, but it wasn't – You can't. I don't think we should read much too much into that just because of kind of like who was playing in those games and stuff like that. I think Draymond missed a lot of those, and then I think Clay might have missed one. and So, and then – Denver, uh, obviously with Jokic, uh, with Michael Malone, they build a good culture, but they're kind of building towards next season and hoping to be full strength, getting their 
other two Max guys back in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And hopefully looking to be one of the top teams next season. Uh, but I, I think they'll they'll give Golden State a good fight here. I just think Golden State, like we mentioned, the continuity, the kind of the chemistry they have. They've seen pretty much every situation you can imagine in the playoffs. Up 3-1, they lose the lead. Down 3-1, they come back from that. Down uh, kind of like 2-0. They've been the favorite. They've been the underdog. They've been they've just seen every situation imaginable in the playoffs, and I think that's going to be the difference here in this series. And I think they're going to win this one in seven games, and kind of get the rhythm back going into a tough uh, semifinals matchup against Memphis. So I think Steph will kind of uh, work his way back in the first couple games, and then kind of get his groove back going. I think games like three to five. And then kind of uh, take it. And then I think Golden State will it'll go the distance. Golden State will win in seven, though. And get ready for kind of get tuned up for a tough uh, semifinals matchup against Memphis. All right, that'll take us then uh, to the last uh, playoff series in the Western Conference in the first round. Uh, we got the four-seed Dallas Mavericks taking on the five-seed Utah Jazz. And Dallas probably happy this time around that they don't have to face the Clippers, uh, the team that they've lost to the last two seasons in the first round. And then Luka, a little scare last night. Uh, he had a little calf strain to end the season. So let's see how he kind of looks. Uh, but Dallas coming in uh, very hot, 8-2 and two in their last 10, and very good defensively, 52-30 and 30 to finish off the season. So, what do you see here for in this series and for Dallas? You know, I just read an article. Um, he has a calf strain, no timetable for his return for Luka Doncic. So um, that's you know, those calf injuries are kind of very, very potentially dangerous. You know, yeah, like you can really have those lingering effects how you play, etc. If he's not really able to play, I just round one exit for them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and with all the turmoil with Utah, I heard Donovan Mitchell's not happy. Um, Pete Bunny has a really cool bear. But I think they have more continuity. Um, you know, Dallas, they had a mid-season trade, trading away uh, Lucas' second budding star, Chris Daspozingas. So he dealt with a new, not new players, but he did pretty well. Uh, but this calf strain, they, you know, without him, they're done. I could see them losing, but... Based on that, I don't know. I would pick Mavs in like six if they had a healthy Luka, but now with that calf strain. I'm going to say uh, Utah in six, man. Okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it says Luka could be ruled out for game one Saturday. Uh, I mean, uh, according to ESPN's Tim McMahon. But I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he kind of played through a little bit of an injury last season in the in the series against the Clippers, and that went the distance of seven games. Obviously, he's uh, he creates everything for them offensively, and then defensively, they've been much better this season. Uh, and I think that's why they, I think I could see them kind of having more success this season. Hopefully, that's. I mean, the the calf injury did not look good with uh, kind of just looking at the highlight and and how much pain he was in, but. Uh, initially, kind of, I thought it was maybe kind of like a somewhat of like a cramp, but I mean, it seems like to be much more serious than that. MRI confirming a, a calf strain, so we'll see how kind of uh, 
he needs to kind of go in the those cryobaric chambers and get all the kind of treatment he needs to to get ready for uh, as early as he can come back in this series because they got although a, a very kind of like uh, a, an opponent that has had bad playoff exits the last couple of seasons uh, still a very tough formidable opponent that's very good offensively and then has one of the top defensive player of the year candidates in Rudy Gobert. He's won it three times. So I think for Utah, I mean, they're kind of under pressure for sure, right? Like this is kind of like uh, got to be a defining type postseason for them, right? Or they're probably going to make some sort of uh, swift changes uh, in their roster next season, maybe trade R Rudy Gobert somewhere and build around Donovan Mitchell, kind of have – him kind of uh, be ha have the say on kind of what he wants them to go after. So, uh, but uh, I think this was the first series we'll we'll disagree on. I'll I'll take Dallas uh, to win in seven, even with kind of uh, Luca a little hobbled. I think he will play. I th I just think he's that mentality he has from Europe uh, is kind of like the tough guy mentality and kind of grind it out. So I think he will play. I mean. And I think he will be effective. I mean, he might miss a, one, a game one or something, but I think Dallas, I, th I think just the better team overall on all aspects, coaching, offensively, defensively. So I'll, I'll take Dallas. I think they got some continuity as well with the, the role guys around Luka as well with Tim Hardaway, Finney Smith, Dwight Powell, Boban, those kind of guys. And then Dinwiddie has been... Very good for them uh, since they picked him up from Washington. So, and uh, Bertans as well. So, I'll take Dallas in seven. And this will be their kind of their first series win since 2011 when they won the title, in my opinion. So, <laughs> I mean, that's quite some time. I think even the Utah Joe uh, coach, um, Schneider, isn't he like in rumors to be? Lakers yeah, he's rumors for he's rumored for San Antonio and the Lakers. So he, I think he used to be an assistant with the Lakers a, a while ago, and I think he used to be. Uh, he might have been some sort of an assistant with the Spurs too, at some point. So we'll wow, see. With the Lakers, huh? who was he under? I believe he might have been under uh, Mike Brown, or I, I think. I, I believe he was the assistant under Mike Brown. I mean, I can. Look, I, he was an assistant at some point with the Lakers. I, I think it might have been with Mike yeah. Brown, I, I believe. So, but I. Uh, Schneider. Uh, um, that'd be interesting, honestly, if he was. I would be surprised. Hey, you're right, yeah. Oh, you're right, under Mike Brown. Yeah, under Mike Brown, I believe, yeah. So he was oh, this. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, Lakers have some interest in Mike Brown, please. God, no, man. <laughs> 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 you gotta be kidding me, man. Like, Lakers are. Honestly, Lakers are so dysfunctional, but that, I think that's a this is different. Okay. Discussion. I mean, now that we've so. talked about all the series, uh, let's give a little obit to your Lakers. I mean, obviously, you, it's a season to forget. So, and what, what do you ultimately think for, for next season? Well, obviously, one of the more most disappointing seasons I can really think of, like you said, is even worse than when they teamed up with uh, like 10 years ago with Dwight, Steve Nash, Kobe, and Powell. At least they made the playoffs. Yeah, they made the seventh seed at least. Play. Yeah, so. And then they got swept by the Spurs. I think Spurs won that year too, right? Uh, the Spurs lost that year. That was the year where Ray Allen hit that hit that shot. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they won the following year. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's honestly, I can't even think of more when more disappointing seasons. Um, I think Westbrook just couldn't fit with the LA culture. You know, this is the first big market team, so it's a little different than playing OKC, Houston, Washington, which is not a lot of pressure. And he was getting constantly bashed, and some of it was rightfully so. He was horrible. Um, he played kind of well in the last couple of games, but in general, it was never a good fit to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, can't shoot. Yeah. He needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Uh, obviously, he'd rather have LeBron than have the ball in his hands. And this tree LeBron wanted him. That's interesting how he thought it would actually work one of the smartest guys in the NBA, you know? Yeah, I don't know. LeBron is just maybe a little bullish sometimes. He He's probably seen, like, in past that he's kind of made it work with some other, like, weird guys like Stevenson and J.R. Smith and what's uh, Chris Anderson. So he might have been a little bullish in, in that, seeing that he, he might be able to make it work with another ball dominant guy with Westbrook. But uh, if you were to make a pie chart of this season for the Lakers, as far as like the blame, uh, what what are kind of like the percentages w- between like the main guys? Uh, obviously Frank Vogel, the coach, Westbrook, LeBron, Anthony Davis. W- w- where are you going at w- with that pie chart, the blame pie chart? You know, I guess say if we got blame, that the top three, you can pick an order. It would be AD, Westbrook, and the coach, you know, Frank Vogel. I think I saw a stat where he played like a hundred different lineups or something like that. That's just crazy. Yeah, I think uh, they had thirty nine different starting lineups or something like that. Oh yeah, some weird amount. I must have read a different stat, but yeah, he's he's playing. Uh, who's that one? DeAndre Jordan. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I don't know why. Like he, <laughs> I don't know sure why he's in the NBA, but. He just had these really weird lineups. I really read he, him and Westbrook couldn't get along since like day one, apparently. Uh, even if you read, uh, listen to Westbrook's exit interview, he was just saying stuff like, oh, I'm not sure what kind of problem Volvo had with me. So there's already a lot of discontent behind the scenes. Yeah, um, for sure. And Westbrook is like Allen Iverson now. So you can accept the fact that he's in a decline. He's not the player he once was. He could t- he couldn't take a back seat. Uh, for his role, yeah, um, I mean, he was benched. Oh my god, <laughs> that was that was kind of funny. He was benched a few times. I'm glad he did. He, he didn't deserve to be out there, you know. But I would say those were the top three. Anthony Davis uh, just can't stay healthy. You you brought that concern right when he got traded. Like, is it going to be an issue? And I thought no, because like you're with LeBron. LeBron is you know very well known to take care of his body with his longevity, playing up to year 19. And these numbers is just unfathomable. But he still can't stay healthy. I know he mentioned some things like it's out of his control with injuries. Yeah. Which is true. Some of it, I mean, if you roll your ankle or whatever, but sometimes I feel like he doesn't play. Like he knows how to protect his body on the floor, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he just has a sense. very fragile build. And then, I mean, he they, when they initially traded for him and gave up all those picks, their plan was he was going to be he was going to kind of be the guy that took over and became the number one and kind of take a load off LeBron. I mean, kind of like the, the Lakers wanted to do with Dwight Howard when they acquired him in 2012 and they wanted him to be the number one and take them to the championship. That didn't happen, obviously. And then, obviously, it didn't happen with Davis, but they were able to get the championship. He was able to have one healthy season. 
and but unfortunately after that it's just been the last two have been ended very very uh very uh heartbreakingly for the for the Lakers and in very bad fashion so uh as far as like coaching goes for their candidates who who's your dream candidate for to replace uh Frank Vogel yeah, I mean, yeah. Kurt Randers. No, I'm just messing. <laughs> no, not Kurt. Uh, honestly, I mean, look at it. If it's gonna be Quinn Snyder, Doc, Mike Brown, who else is really out there? That uh, I think really uh, Mark Jackson and and Fizdale are in the mix as well. David Fizdale, their assistant. Uh, Fizdale. Yeah. I was watching the um, first things first, and Chris Broussard mentioned uh, Jawan Howard. I'm not. Oh I'm man. I, I, another yeah, yeah. another name maybe uh, the uh, Lakers' other assistant Phil Handy. I heard that name. Yeah, so he. If I had to pick between those, if I go with is there a Quinn Snyder? Not hell no, but often hell no to Mike Brown. Okay. But I mean, it was Greg Popovich retiring? Is that why? There's rumors. Quinn might go there. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's rumors about Popovich eventually. Uh, a lot. The one theory out there is that he wanted to kind of get the all-time wins record, which he got this season, kind of push this team, and then just retire. And then there's a few succession plans for him in San Antonio. One being the former Spurs assistant, uh, longtime assistant. He's now the assistant with uh, Ime Udoka in Boston. Will Hardy. He's I think in his late thirties, and then. The other guy being uh, Quinn Snyder, because I think Quinn Snyder has some sort of history with Popovich. Uh, uh, I think he used to coach, be an assistant at Duke as well, Quinn Snyder. And then he might have been some sort of assistant with Popovich at some point. Or it might have been Team USA or something like that. So he has some sort of kind of history with Popovich. So those are the kind of the two names that have been kind of mentioned to be the succession plan for San Antonio and taking over for Greg Popovich, but if I was the Lakers, I would look at Will Hardy as their head coach. I think he's a good young mind for them, and he would kind of infuse kind of a little kind of a kind of a a new type culture that the Lakers are very much needing. That they haven't really had since the late two uh, thousands with Kobe and Powell and Phil Jackson. So yeah, you know, I saw I read another since Phil Jackson left. I think no coach has lasted more than three seasons with the Lakers. <laughs> oh, that's man. Mike Brown. That's who else? Um, Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni. Byron, Byron Scott. Byron Scott. Yeah. Luke Walton. Luke Walton. Uh, now Frank Vogel. Yeah. yeah. Since Phil left, it's just the culture. Uh, so Frank Vogel's got to be the longest, just, right? Out of out of those, right? Frank Vogel has to be the what? has to be the one that had the longest tenure, right, out of those? I think so, and he brought him the chip, so you can't discount that, you know. Yeah, um, or I think Luke Walton might have had three seasons as well, too, I think, right? Three seasons? Yeah, I think he had three seasons. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Him, and, him and Vogel both had three seasons each, yeah, so. Yeah, I think the top was three seasons since Phil P.J. left, but, yeah, you know, Frank Vogel, you know, uh, thank you to him, you know, he helped us bring the chip back to L.A., um, that was the only season he can play like the full season where he had like three months off. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm just so frustrated with AD. This is a random stat that I heard. What do you think he shot from the three point? Uh, oh, I think I, I think I heard. I think it was like 19 percent or something, right? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> oh my god, I, I'm not sure what's happening with him honestly because 
you thought, hey, after the championship, he was ready to take the reins from LeBron. LeBron was more than ready to be like, hey, it's your team now. And he took such a big step backwards these past two Yeah, seasons. I mean. Actually, I think you picked up for MVP. Yeah. Uh, I picked him for MVP the last two seasons, I think, or, or at least, like, two of the last three seasons. So, I mean, yeah, I, I... There's something... Yeah. There's some, maybe, something he, he has to do. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why they gave up so many picks and so much for him, because they thought he was going to be the bridge, or he was going to be the successor when LeBron gets old. He was going to be the number one guy, and then they were going to build around him. But, <laughs> obviously, that's still their plan, but let's see how that works. So... Yeah, I don't know. He has to change something in the off season to kind of, you know, do something. I know he's very hesitant playing the five since he's been on the Lakers, but nowadays bigs aren't really big of the old days. You know, you don't bang like that anymore. Yeah, it seems really like he's he wants to be more like finesse, and I mean that's kind of what he should be. But he can't if he wants to do that. He can't be shooting nineteen percent from the three. So exactly, and even now bigs aren't even the same what they used to be. So you're not really like banging like that yeah i mean aside from a few like gobert and robert williams and like zubak and most of the bigs are spacing uh they're jump shooting bigs they they shoot the three most of them so yeah but and and just to answer your question you know just hire a new coach is not gonna fix like so you still got westbrook you have to offload westbrook i think he's more than willing to go to which westbrook if you just trade again or buy or whatever, that's be, I think it's 15, five years. It's kind of a new team over year. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's been, I think, another stat, I mean, he's been traded, what, like the last three seasons, the last three off seasons. So why not make yeah. it a fourth, right? That's right. And then <laughs> exactly. also yeah. uh, all the all the last three coaches that he's been a part of uh, with Dan Tony, Scott Brooks, and Frank Vogel have all got fired. So Wow. <laughs> and then oh, Scott Brooks got fired too I didn't know that yeah so <laughs> yeah Scott Brooks they hired Wes Unsell Jr. and then uh, let me propose this to you as far as like a trade for Westbrook uh, who do you think would say no in this trade uh, so it would be Westbrook uh, Horton Tucker and the 20, 2027 first round pick to Indiana for Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon yeah I do okay so you you think Indiana would say no like Indiana would say yes to trade and no to that trade. Who who would say no to that trade? I don't think anyone would say no. Okay, you, th- you think it's a good fit for both? Yeah, I think they would pull the trigger for sure. Okay. I mean, I, would you do the deal? Would you do that deal? I definitely do it for the Lakers, and then I could kind of see how Indiana Indiana is obviously giving up the better players, in my opinion, like the younger players. But Indiana, is, they're kind of in a rebuilding mode anyways. They just take on one year of Westbrook um, and then... Exactly. Maybe starting a contract. Yeah. Could, worst case, be, uh, worst case if they really want to do something at the trade deadline next season, buy them out, right? And then... Yeah, exactly. And I then, think a lot of teams would be interested in Westbrook's expiring contracts. Cause yeah, that's, that's, I guess, a positive. But as far but if it was like two years, then the Lakers would be in a huge, huge quandary, oh. so... <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, it'd, it'd be, the only way I think the Lakers sure. trade Westbrook still, even with the expiring, is if they throw in that twenty twenty seven first. So, which they should. I mean, yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> I mean, this is Lakers culture where it's always win now type mentality. 
they don't really build through the, the draft. They try to do a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, pretty crazy. They, the they've missed the playoffs the seven of the last nine seasons. And, like, yeah. in the 40, 50 years before that, they only missed the playoffs, like, three or four times. So... <laughs> I know, that's... That's interesting, honestly. But I'm glad the Lakers came in and play in, honestly. If they got in, they would have been embarrassed by the Suns, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess... Know, the Lakers were going up 3-1 last year if AD didn't get hurt. They were about to win that game. So yeah. AD, I think he pulled his hammy, right? Yeah, I think they were up like 14-15 in the first half. Then he got hurt, right? So People don't remember that, honestly. Uh, they were on the verge. But now, I, I thought they should have just ran it back and add a few pieces. Yeah, I, I always now see the, the, the meme of LeBron backing down Crowder. And then they always uh, yeah. says the Lakers are 0-10 versus Phoenix since this picture or something like that. That's funny, man. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, like you were kind of saying, this is kind of funny, like trying to build around a guy heading to year 20. Like usually you, the guy is like passing the reins to the next person, but you still have to think about building around LeBron. Um, you think AD would kind of take up that mantle, you know, playing that way and all that. But, um, I mean, would you trade AD if you had the opportunity? If you could get a solid package for him? I don't know. I mean, I I don't know who would want to take him. I mean, but I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I probably would for the right package. I mean, I, I at this point, I I really don't really know what that would be. I mean, maybe something to Boston for like Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, or something like that. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, at that point, yeah, you're asking who to trade. I think it's maybe that's just to kind of keep him. Hopefully, he stays healthy. Yeah, I mean, uh, who knows? Season. I mean, who knows if Boston even wants him anymore, right? In that in that situation, so exactly. Well, he's twenty nine, be thirty next season. You know, big men generally uh, decline a lot quicker than smaller guards and stuff like that. So, and you can make the case he peaked two years ago. <laughs> you could. All right. Yeah, we'll see what happens yeah. with the Lakers. They're coaching uh, a lot of. There's going to be a lot of. Uh, turnover going into next season but wish uh palinka and genie bus the front office their best of luck in that situation it's uh, it's gonna be a tall task uh but let's before we sign off let's get into some of the picks for the awards so we'll start with the mvp who's your mvp this season Ooh, you know it's i think right now you're looking at a three uh three man race for it Joel and B, Giannis, and Nikola Jokic. If I would have said, honestly, I would agree with Nikola Jokic. Uh, the one reason why I wouldn't, he's a sixth, the team's sixth place. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he's the one with like the least amount of talent around him. And for what he's able to do yeah. this season, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that guy's a beast, honestly. These Europeans, man, they can play, man, for real. But I would probably, and Giannis is having a great season every year, but. Um, maybe for Giannis' sake, I think, well, when's the last time the MVP actually won it and then won the NBA championship? Uh, it might have been LeBron, 2013. Or, no, it's Curry, actually, 2015. Sorry. Oh, 2015. So it's been a while, but yeah. if I had to toss it, I would probably say, I don't know. I think I'll give it to Giannis. You go to Giannis? Yeah, I mean, Giannis is kind of in the situation right now where that kind of LeBron was in, right? Like, He's always like so consistent, so good. So they kind of like that kind. Of, that's kind of like a negative for him, and that that kind of sucks in a way. But 
that's yeah. just kind it's of like they have to give it to someone else. Yeah, that's kind of just how it is. It's kind of like a story. It's kind of like a story award in some sense. So, but I, I, I'm gonna have to go with Jokic. I, I think he's back to back MVP. Uh, just considering how many games that those guys have missed in Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, and then they all obviously have 48 wins. They are sixth place. That's probably most MVPs usually are in sixth place. Uh, the exception being Westbrook in 2017, right? Most other MVPs are at least like top three seeds, something like that usually. So that's Jerry, yeah. really the only thing I think going against him. But he's improved defensively. Uh, his numbers, like you said, are better than they were last season. And he's missing a lot of talent. So I'll go with Jan- or Jokic excuse me, as back-to-back MVP. So I wouldn't be mad if he won it, honestly, just because... The team around he has like nobody, but he still yeah. Or he wins, huh? Or what do you think about Coach of the Year? Coach of the Year. I haven't thought about that one actually. Some candidates probably uh, Monty Williams, Taylor Jenkins, uh, maybe Tyron Lue's probably in there. Uh, uh, Eric oh, Spolstra, Lee, Lee, yeah. Jason Kidd. Tyron Lue, you think? It could be Tyron Lue. It's usually those coaches, I feel like, um, they're just in the lower seeds, possibly. Yeah. I usually get it. Um, not with not a lot of hype around them. Like, the number one seeds, I don't think they get them a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I don't think Monte Williams really get it. Uh, how about the other coach from Boston? Oh, yeah. He's he, he's uh, definitely in the mix, mix, too. Ime Udoka. Yeah, he should. Um, this is his first year, I believe, too, right? Uh, yeah, it's his first season. Yeah. This is his second. It's his first yeah. season as head coach, yeah. The Grizzlies as well. Grizzlies kind of came out of nowhere, I feel. Um, but, you know, Grizzlies always have a great culture, I think. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that with Zach Randolph, Marcus Alder, just just very solid player. I'm going to have to go uh, with Monty Williams here. So. Monty Williams? Yeah, I, I just think... Uh, a lot of with all the talk last season of how to, how they got lucky and stuff, but then they came back and franchise record and wins, and then they are a one seed. But I think so, occasionally one seed does one seed coach does get it in their first couple seasons. That's where he is right now, so I think he'll get it. All right, what about uh, defensive player of the year? Who do you think for that? Defensive. I think Marcus Smart is the favorite from Boston. Currently, yeah, I've been hearing his name a lot. Yeah, and then obviously Giannis, Rudy Gobert, uh, Mikal Bridges is in the mix. How about Bam? Bam is in the mix as well. Yeah. So. I think Marcus Smart is going to get the. Marcus I Smart. Been, I've been hearing his name a lot for uh, defensive of the year. Sorry, I haven't been following up much rather than. Yeah, no worries. I'm I'm gonna go with another perimeter guy. I'm gonna go with Mikal Bridges. I just think he's been really good for them. He's a really really good three and D guy, guarding a lot of other guards, a lot of other wings on other teams, uh, taking a load off Paul and uh, Booker on the defensive end, and he's just been the, the perfect prototypical type player for them. So I'll go with Mikal Bridges. He got that nice contract too. I think they give him an extension. So yeah, four year, ninety million. Off. Yeah. So yeah, Robert Sarver just. I was just giving everybody a contract, 
throwing out money. He's not he, not being cheap like he used to be. So. By the way, a little side note for the company I work for, he's officially no longer on the board. I guess he, he quote-unquote retired. <laughs> I guess that's another story, uh, okay. though. But yeah, anyway. yeah, he probably got out ahead of it. He's probably just resigning from all this, so... The, I mean, but not much has come of that story since it kind of came out. I mean, not much has really happened. We haven't really heard much about it since then, so. Oh, yeah. Radio silence, man. Yeah, for sure. But I, I guess he, he, him and his legal team probably got out ahead on it and probably just, uh, he's probably kind of phasing into his retirement life. So we'll see how that goes. So. Alrighty. Uh, next one. Uh, rookie of the year. Who do you think for that one? Obviously, the three top candidates are probably Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and Cade Cunningham. Based on art for reading, I would say Cade the Pistons. Cade Pistons, Cunningham. okay. Cade Cunningham. I'm going to go with my uh, USC uh, fellow of Trojan, Evan Mobley. I think he's been most effective defensively, offensively throughout the entirety of the season. So, a little biased pick, but I'll, I'll go with Evan Mobley. He was my preseason pick as well. So let's see. Too, yeah. So let's see. Next one. This might be a tough one. Most improved player. Who do you think? Most improved. This could be like a lot of different guys. It could be Jordan Poole, uh, John Morant. Yeah, I was thinking John's name, honestly. He had such a breakout year. You can just see his growth. Um, he's not going to get it, though. I don't think John's going to get it. No. No, I think he's always uh, most improved. Doesn't really go to these like up and coming all stars. You know what I mean, like superstar. I don't feel like they they go to it. But um, that Spurs guy you mentioned, uh, Murray Dejounte uh, Murray. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I would have to pick John Morant. That would be my pick. But I could also see Jordan Poole getting it. I think he's been he's really been like very effective for them, and he's he's emerged as their like top role guy outside of their their main players like. Obviously, Steph, Clay, Draymond, he's emerged kind of as their that role guy that's really can really kind of uh, score for them in bunches and be very effective in big spots in the playoffs. So let's see how he performs this season in the playoffs for them. Alrighty, last one, and this should be they have a big favorite here in this one. Just, uh, last one for the night, uh, sixth man of the year. Who do you think? Is it your boy Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero, he's he's he's. I think he's two plus two hundred to one, something like that. So yeah, it looks like he's going to be a lock together, honestly. Yeah, as a six man. So yeah, minus two hundred to one, actually. Excuse me. So, or minus two hundred twenty thousand or something like that. So he he's like for sure a lock. So yeah, we'll agree on that one. Tyler Hero, six man of the year. Oh yeah, averaging yeah, like twenty off the bench. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he he's really had a bad like sophomore season kind of slumping but he's he's been very effective for them and i'm really excited to see him play as well in miami's playoff run as well so we'll see how it goes yeah good bounce back here after his sophomore yeah. all righty uh well uh anything else to discuss before we sign off no i think we're good i see you uh for round two all right yeah round two i mean it should be a fun round one thank you so much for coming on yeah, excited for the playoffs, man. It's about time. I'm, I'm just tired of watching the regular season. <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Hope you guys enjoy all the play-in games and the first-round matchups, and we'll be back to discuss the semifinal matchups in about two, three weeks.